welcome once again to another episode of Movie Mastery. I am John. Over there is Jeff. We are the hosts with the most... The, mo- the most what? The most podcasts that we do. I don't think that's true. I think the McElroys make like 16 podcasts each. <laughs> uh, so this is the podcast where we watch the movies that you recommend to us. We got a big old list. We don't know what we're going to watch until we actually roll it up and sit down to watch it. And I guess someone felt sorry for us because this week we rolled up something that wasn't horrid. No, it was watchable. In fact, it was something I've been wanting to watch for a long time because I remembered vaguely enjoying it a long ass time ago but then having a hard time finding it like it's the sort of movie i would expect is always on showtime or you know is for free on netflix or something and it rarely is yeah i i also saw this when i was i think i saw it in theaters just a boy when i was back just a boy a a lad a wee lad the wee babby and (laughs) back i chased a hoop with a stick (laughs) across the lane and then in the cinema was showing this great film from long hence (laughs) so so i purchased a nickel's worth of lemonade and in this in this story i am john young and british (laughs) in shropshire upon the pevensies did did i with a giant lollipop did i watch did, the did i with a jolly, giant lollipop <laughs> what i could i with a giant lollipop uh but yeah no i saw this in theaters and i remembered very little from it and the weird thing is uh, like i have several friends who really enjoyed it and were like uh, wait a name drop yeah man this is great you have friends <laughs> you have friends God damn it just making me feel worse about myself is that what this show is now yes obviously okay but yeah they would they were all about it they would reference it from time to time and it wasn't quite like spawn where it's just seen missing like i could remember bits and pieces of it and for folks who don't know that particular running in joke it's that john has definitely seen the movie spawn he just does not remember that he has for sure oh yeah i it's one of those movies i saw in theaters i remember it starting i remember leaving the theater that is all (laughs) someone apparently roofied my popcorn and i have no idea what happened during spawn seeing as how i remember most of spawn i I, it can't just be that the movie does that to you no yeah Uh, you know what they say though if you remember seeing spawn you won't have any friends (laughs) that's that's true that's the rules the more you can remember spawn the fewer friends you have wanda oh why do i remember these things oh no (laughs) i try to make friends with people and i just yell wanda at them So, uh, this is a movie based off of a Michael Crichton book, The Eaters of the Dead. So there you go. Now, for a few of you, you now know that we're talking about 13th Warrior. Yep, it's 13th Warrior. It is uh, Antonio Banderas and a bunch of dudes... Yeah, can you name another dude in this movie? Uh, I'm sure if I was like Bjorn Wolfson, that would probably be someone. <laughs> yeah, Magnus Magnusson. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bunch of Viking dudes and... Bjorn's and- probably in there. Actually, I can. Omar Sharif was in this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so there's one. We got I got I got one extra person. There you go. Babushka. But uh Antonio Banderas is playing a Middle Eastern Muslim man. Yeah, it was like Aldan Ibn Falan or something like that. Yeah. I, I forget what it specifically Ibn was. Fahad, Ibn well, it was like eighteen names. Ibn. It was it was Ahmad Ibn Fadlan. And then like at like, least a, a three bunch, or four more Ibn's. A bunch more Ibn's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, also a Gibbon. Yeah. I am a gibbon. <laughs> he played a gibbon in this movie. Weird, we re- I know. We are reviewing Madagascar 2. <laughs> it's uh, it's horrible. It was a very human washing of this to <laughs> make this human play a denying, gibbon. <laughs> denying good roles for gibbons to gibbons. <laughs> 
Uh, so yeah, they got, uh, they got Antonio Banderas instead of, you know, any actual Arab person, but whatever. No, no, no. They, I, I, I'm going to, I know I'm going to get pilloried for this, but a lot during the time period that this movie is set in a lot of Spain, which is where Antonio Banderas is actually from was controlled by, by Muslim nation states. However, it didn't take place from Spain where he was from. So that's, yeah, I know, but a lot of Spaniards were making their way into nation states at the time. And I'm not sure, but I, maybe the, I've never, I've never read Eaters of the Dead, so I don't know. All I'm saying is that there's, there's a large period of Muslim history in Spain that coincides with the Viking period of history. That's, that's, that's all I'm saying, that this might not be a, like bad casting. But please, if I'm wrong, someone tell me I won't fight on this one. No, I mean, Except for John. I'll fight John all day. Yeah, that's fine. You can fight me forever. It's, yeah. It's it, never going to go anywhere. It costs me nothing. Yeah. It's like punching like the Pillsbury Doughboy if he was life-size. <laughs> you know, she, he just kind of goes, hee-hee. Please stop that. <laughs> Why would you do this? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he is uh, basically banished from uh whatever kingdom he's in mm-hmm. but he gets turned into a diplomat but it's just their way of getting rid of him yeah so, so that's that's what his deal is but then you have a whole ton of uh vikings and uh he's gonna meet up with them yeah and in the beginning it's almost like anthropology like he's hanging out with omar sharif who was another kind of like diplomat from this this muslim country or i guess arabian country whatever you want to say uh and Omar Sharif is like explaining what these Northmen are all about, and he kind of speaks their language, but not a hundred percent. So he's hang- they're hanging out in this little Viking village, and basically there's the well, guy. Let, let's let's do our break first before we get back. Are we doing a break now? We always do a break. We I feel like you got to run this stuff past me, man. I mean, we always always the, do it. We're a team. No, I'm in charge. You're the lackey. You do what I say. All right. Well, then I guess I'll cut to break. Yeah, let's cut to break. Okay. So, uh, yeah, 13th Warrior, man. Uh, do we have to? Can we talk about Titan AE? No. No. Okay, so. Bad Jeff. All right, so. No in be- Titan AE. <laughs> in the beginning, young Matt Damon is playing with a hoverboat. Get out. <laughs> Get out. When an alien voiced by Tone Loke arrives. No. So, uh, we've got our Omar Sharif and Antonio Banderas, mm-hmm. and they find a young Matt Damon playing with a, with a hoverboat. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when their father, played by, uh, is it Ron Perlman, I think? Ron, yeah, Ron Perlman, as his father, shows up. And Ron is like, Jeremy, like as his a, father. K- Kale, we, we gotta go. Kale, I named you terribly. <laughs> it's with a C, though, so it's not the same vegetable sort of thing. <laughs> You're gonna have to go on an adventure of British electronic hip-hop and, and uh, badly drawn aliens. <laughs> but in the end, you'll name a planet Bob, and you'll get to hook up with a purple-haired Drew Barrymore cartoon. <laughs> Yay. Uh so yeah, the uh the delegation ends up meeting with some uh some Norsemen. Mm-hmm. And, and boy are they ever Norse. They are very Norse. Yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of Vikings, uh and basically Omar Sharif is like, I've been here before and I kind of understand their language, and I'll walk you through the process of being these guys diplomat. It kind of looks like there's one of the Northmen.
Roman speaks a language that Omar Sharif also speaks because he only translates through that guy. Yeah, and it's a bummer because I don't think they ever say that guy's name in the entire movie. I mean, he's one of the main guys. Yeah, he's one of the main guys. He's he's about as important as Hamish is in Braveheart, for example. Yeah, he is but, like the best friend of Antonio Banderas in but, this. But they never say his name. I, and, and most we call him Northman a few times. I, I can't remember anyone's name at all. Well, there's the king of the... Well, there's not the king of the Northmen, but there's like the important Northmen. The there's, one, there's a king. Well, yeah, well, there's a king, and but there's also the guy who's like the king of our band of Northmen. Oh, yeah. Well, there's matters. there's multiple kings. And his name is Bully Vife, which is because eventually he's supposed to be... Well, we'll get into well, that. Yeah. But he's he's his name is Bully Vife, and that's and it's B-U-L-I-W-Y-F. Yeah. He's Wycliffe, Jean, yeah. the so, Norseman. So Wycliffe, Jean is there, and then also Rex X and FX is there. <laughs> Rex and Effect. I'm sorry. Did God. you say did you say the correct name, which is Rex X and Effect? Uh, I should punch you for this. <laughs> Like folks, let, please write in and let us know because this is a key distinguishing difference between the two of us. Is it Rex in effect or is it Rex X in effect? <laughs> the of the the hit song Rump Shaker. Well, given that in the song Rump Shaker they say Rex in effect, I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm right. I think they probably in, mispronounced their own name on purpose in the song. Oh yes, specifically of for the purposes of hitting the rhyme structure correctly. <laughs> and I don't know necessarily you can prove I'm wrong unless uh, you were to bring on a member of Rex X in effect. Now, now, if you were to bring on a member of Rex in effect, I'd just accuse you of bringing on someone from an entirely different band. So <laughs> so ultimately, I think, agree to disagree? No. Man, how awesome would it be, though, if I got Rex in effect on here just randomly? Like, hey, <laughs> guys, how's review, it going? Help us review the 13th Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen 13th Warrior? And they're like, eh, it wasn't very good. I didn't like it. <laughs> Not my cup of tea. Anyway, uh, Bullivife is played by a dude who you are going to swear you have seen before. And that's because you probably have. That depends on if you've seen The Equalizer or not, because that's the other. He's the bad guy in that. Oh, he's been in a ton of crap. The, I'd say the most famous thing he. The thing he is most famous for in the past, say, 15 to 20 years is that he's the voice of Ulfric Stormcloak in Skyrim. <laughs> and you know what? That's pretty much going to be the whole theme of my review of this. Is we've got Ulfric in this movie, and boy, howdy, do we have the entirety of Skyrim? Yeah, you can. It, the weirdest thing about this movie, upon watching it, is you're going to start going, "Oh my God, wait a minute! All of Skyrim is just the Thirteenth Warrior." <laughs> like they just stole of, a whole bunch of crap from this. I think they just watched it, and then they had their their like uh, their art interior art team watch it, and we're like, "Okay, make all the forests and villages and stuff like this movie. Don't make them like any other movie. Just this. This is what we want." Yeah. And then uh, let's let's say that Antonio Banderas is basically like half Imperial, half Red Guard. Go, <laughs> have fun. Make that movie for me. Or that game, I guess. Yeah. Because so, that, that is definitely what this... It, it's so based on the 13th Warrior upon watching it that it is scary to me. <laughs> a, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. So Bully Vife is kind of the main one, although he's mostly there to be inspiring. Yeah. The, the one that we actually interact with the most is... Uh, well, I'm just going to call him Frendo. Uh, Frendo yeah. is, is a nice bald... Or not bald. He's a nice blonde dude with a cool blonde beard and he he is definitely a Viking that's Antonio Banderas' friend. Yeah, and uh, like I mentioned, basically him and uh, Omar Sharif's character share some language. It's not whatever everyone else is speaking. Like, he's not speaking Norse to him because he never translates anyone else. It's only when this guy is talking to him. Yes. So they share something, and pretty much we just show up in time to get a whole bunch of Viking rituals. Like, we get a burial that has the whole, like, uh, burning on a long boat. 
Yeah, they do the burning on a longboat. They do uh, a little kid arrives, and then he has to stand there on a boat for like eight hours to prove that he's not a monster. Yeah, he's like, hey, look at me. Just see that I am here. Know that I am not some sort of ghost or some shit. Yeah, but and when they do the burning on a boat, they also burn some lady. Yeah. She's the, like the dude's wife or something. She's going to go to Valhalla with him. Yeah, so they, they burn some lady, and Antonio Banderas watches the whole thing. Oh, and then also uh, during like breakfast the next morning, they put out a big bowl for everyone of water, and everyone's like spitting in it and blowing their nose in it and wiping their eyes with it and stuff and, and it just keeps getting passed around the room for that yeah and and, and D- antonio banderas doesn't want none of that and he's like ew ew you done snotted in that water and i'm like what snot water not good enough for you what the hell man I, I, although why do we got a snot in the water what what is that accomplishing i know it's like what what's the point of that i, I mean it's not like it i can understand if none of them think that each other have gross things in their body but still you don't need to shoot snot into water that doesn't do anything <laughs> unless unless i guess the idea is that you get more and more healthy the more communal goo you add to the bowl yeah the last guy to wash in the most amount of goo is is definitely the healthiest yeah he's gonna be the healthiest one he's gonna be like thanks for all those nose goblins you guys uh, hey guys you gave me all of your bits and and pieces from inside jizz man humans sure do produce a lot of gross fluids and here they are Th- thanks uh bolvar for taking a dump in this water bowl for hey, some reason whoever jerked in this thanks because it's gonna really bring some sheen to my hair yay i'm i'm excited about this gross bowl all right who teabagged the communal bowl because <laughs> they're getting one up top <laughs> yeah they are <laughs> uh yeah so it's uh it's a lot of you know fish out of water oh my god i can't believe these weird savages and their gross nonsense stuff yeah and then the little kid who'd been waiting on a boat all day finally gets to say his piece and his piece basically boils down to hey our city is under attack we need you to come back and help like oh my god our king is sending word to your king to be like oh shit our stuff's getting pushed in please please help please help and that prompts the 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 vikings to summon their old lady yeah their old lady there's a couple of them every old lady in this is a rad witch yeah every old lady in the world is a magic rad witch with hair in her eyes yep uh so this magic mat rad witch with hair in her eyes comes stumbling into the room and she throws some bones on the ground and starts kind of wailing and carrying on yeah she reads them bones yeah and then she announces in an old lady fashion that that uh 13 warriors must go yeah 13 must go and only if you have 13 will you be successful and so you know everyone starts standing up like i'll be a dude i'll go on this hervin starvey Shervin Flarvin Durgan. And, you know, it goes through the whole thing. And then when they get to the 13th one, everyone just looks at Antonio Banderas because they're like, oh, the 13th person can't be someone from like the norse land yeah it has to be an outsider basically she has she has the sitcom judge problem where she's like uh well i like sitcom so the 13th person has to be a butler (laughs) yeah so 13th person has to not be someone from those lands it has to be a stranger it's and omar sharif ain't going omar sharif sure ain't going but uh well he don't like it yeah uh but uh it's got to be definitely will smith and this is the story of how his life got turned upside down (laughs) indeed yeah uh so god damn it <laughs> so they send fucking antonio banderas and he immediately starts protesting he's like what the hell i'm a i'm a diplomat i'm kind of a diplomat like, i'm not a warrior i'm i'm not i don't know their language like why are you sending me with these people right and then they immediately start making fun of him once they agree that he's going like uh they they they, they start they, insulting his horse yeah he's got an arabian horse which is much smaller than the big old norse horses and so they're like oh only an arab would bring a dog to war ha 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 it's like no way you should totally bring dogs to war dogs are great in wars yeah you should let them slip 
Yeah, let those dogs of war slip, for sure. You should also probably cry some havoc. Oh, <laughs> havoc. <laughs> that line is in more action movies than it is productions of whichever Shakespeare play it came from. So, uh, the Tempest, I want to say? Maybe. I'm Julius sure, Caesar? I, 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 no, I'm pretty sure it's a Prospero line from Tempest. I'm pretty sure. I'm almost certain it's King Lear. It might be King Lear. I'm almost you, you certain. Know, it might be Titus Andron- uh, Andromedon. <laughs> Titus Andromedon, who famously said, cry havoc. <laughs> and let slip the dogs of war. Uh, obviously. I think so. I think it might be from Trollius and Cressida. Or is it Troilus? <laughs> yeah, Troy, Troy. It's from Troy. It's from, it's Sim- from the movie Troy. It's definitely with- from Cymbeline. <laughs> it's from Twelfth Night. <laughs> Cry havoc, and let snip the dogs of war. Now let us all go kiss in this park. Now let's get married. <laughs> Much ado about crying havoc. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, some Shakespearean scholar is really mad it's at us. so angry. It's probably the same person who was really mad at us about Pendragon. Probably. <laughs> uh, okay, so they head out on their way, and we get a wonderful little montage of basically Antonio Banderas sitting there just watching this entire band of a dozen Norsemen dick around and joke and eat and do stuff. And eventually, like, little words start turning into English, and then he can understand them. It's a cool montage, honestly. Oh, yeah, it's a great way to get it to the point where you're like, oh, he understands their language now, and we can also just have everyone speaking the same language. It's it's especially cool because all these actors had to deal with this by being like, he's in flargen, version flargy dog, in Zedervin, hergen bacon, version Forgan, let's go to the hop in Sturgeonbergen. Dude, I want to go to the hop in Sturgeonbergen. <laughs> they have the best hop. Oh, Sturgeonbergen, where a wizard in a basement knows you did something. <laughs> or why you're here, I guess. Well, of course I'm here to go to the hop. <laughs> let's go to it. Let's get to that hop where I hear they have a dog and bacon. Yeah, that bacon dog. <laughs> I don't know, but it's neat because they all, all of them do a great job with sliding one word of English into this sort of semi-Norse language they are speaking. Yeah. And then eventually he speaks their language, and it co- it leads to the one line out of this that is a meme that still people still remember. Oh, yeah, where it's like, how do you know our language? I listen. <laughs> He's like so intense about it. Oh, it's, yeah. It's a weirdly intense line. It is him. one of the only lines I could remember from this movie was, I listen. Yeah, and he's like pointing at himself and he's like super mad because basically at a certain point they're all sitting around the campfire and one of them decides to just lob some insults at the Arab who doesn't speak Norse. And then he straight up comes back up with your mom. Your mom, effectively. He's like, he's like the Arab's mom is probably a gross pig. And he's like, my mother was a saint unlike your mother who was, I don't know, some kind of so fat that she she heard it was chilly outside and got a bowl. I don't know. She jumped in the air and got stuck. She sat on a rainbow and Skittles came out. Her blood type was ragu. <laughs> yeah, that was basically that's how he insulted them. Just eight, just pages of your mom jokes. Yeah, she he had recently watched the dozens and. Uh, your mom sits around the house, and she sits really all the way around the house. Ah, <laughs> uh, your mother is so corpulent. <laughs> your mother's teeth are so yellow that she spits butter. <laughs> and when she opens her mouth, traffic slows down. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. That is what happened in this movie. And then he just starts using all the ones from your mama. <laughs> your moms. Your moms. <laughs> She's got the wings and teeth of an African bat. I listened. <laughs> Her middle name is Mudbone, and on top of all that. Uh, yeah. I like how both of us kind of do Antonio Banderas as if he was just a pirate. Yar. Yar. I'm Antonio Banderas. <laughs> I'm here to be Puss in Boots. 
Yep. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so anyway, uh, he, he learns to speak their language, and from that point forward, he doesn't take their shit. Uh, immediately, Bully Vife, the guy, the guy who's like in charge of them, but again, let's be clear, Bully Vife is not really a main character. He's there to be sort of inspiring in the background and then eventually get a big scene near the end. Yeah, he'll he'll like instruct people to do things, and he's there to be the figurehead. Like, he's the most imposing of them. Yeah, like when you earn his respect, it's a great day for you. Yeah. But he's like, he immediately pulls Antonio Banderas aside, and he's like, can you take the sound the, the sound and write and, and make it can a, you draw words can you draw words from the air and you're like oh okay yes yeah, i can write he's trying to figure out if you can write well how come all the other metaphors that these guys are speaking and have been trangl- translated into english for our convenience but not this one well i mean i guess they just never used the word right must be to me it struck me as sort of a all right have you heard our keikaku <laughs> Keikaku means plan. Translator's will, note. We will defeat the these uh, eaters of the dead all according to Kaikaku. <laughs> but uh, the other thing that's funny to me is that he's like, can you draw words from the air? Also, my armor is covered in runes. <laughs> so I know what language is, and presumably I can read all this, but, uh, but I'm definitely illiterate. Oh, yeah, 100% illiterate. So, of course, the first thing that Antonio Banderas is going to teach him is uh, there's, there's, no only, the there's yeah. only one god, and... Uh, oh, and Muhammad. Muhammad, Muhammad is his prophet. Yeah. So he teaches him to write that in the dirt, and then the guy's just like, mm-hmm, just nods and wanders off. He's like, aha, I see you can do this. I don't want to learn anything. Good day, sir. Well, it's like a month later, they sail across a huge ocean, and after he proves that, that his little horse is rad because it can jump around, jump, jump, jump around. Yeah, it can jump up, jump up, and get down. Yeah, they, he proves his horse is so good at equestrian jumping. Yeah, he's like, oh, you guys have a big horse, but I can jump over a thing. Or some stuff. Yeah, there's a, like, randomly a fence here for some reason out in the middle of wherever we're walking around, and I'll jump over it. Yeah, and then he jumps over a wagon, and then one of the guys on a horse, which knocks him into the dirt. And he's like, yeah, fuck you, Norseman. And the Norseman's like, ah, that guy's good at horse jumping. Ah, uh, he got me good. I bet horse jumping will come up later in this movie. I bet there will be a point where horse jumping matters. Nope. No, though. There's I mean, there is. Oh, that's right. He has to, like, jump a fence or something. Yeah, it's, uh, he saves a kid by yeah. horse jumping. Yeah, he uses his power of horse jumping to save a child. Yay. Well, the thing that's weird to me about that is I don't really, I've never associated, like, Vikings in the Norse country with being the land of great big horses. No, not really. I mean, I know Arabian horses aren't, except I do associate Arabians with having great big horses, because Arabian horses are, like, world famous for being rad in battle. Well, So it's kind of a weird reversal. They're famous for being fast. They're, well, they're just, like, really good war horses and Clydesdales are American or the British they're not Norse no so I don't well, know then again the Norse did raid England a lot I guess they must have gone in there and gotten all their good great big horses they're like give me them horses give me the biggest horses you got hey, yo give me them horses you got this so, so anyway. I'm a Norseman I want your horses <laughs> Hey, that kind of rhymes. Uh, I'm a poet and I don't even know it. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> they take a big boat ride through some mist, and then they shoot flaming arrows into the mist, and then they land in a town. And this is the town that they are basically here to save. They're they, like sworn to defend it or something. Yeah, They well, they showed up and they're like, yeah, we're here to help. And the town has an old ass king who's like, yo, uh, some weird... Somebody ancient- once told me. Yeah. He's like, hey, this is the story of a girl. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's an old-ass king, and he's got a crazy, young, ambitious son. But they have 
I don't I don't quite understand what's going on with the initial thing because they're like, oh, we're going to be attacked by these uh, guys we can't say the name of because if we say their name, then they'll show up. It's like the VAR or something. Uh, yeah, I forget the specific term that they say, but they're like, well, they're basically they're bears is the, the idea is that they're like ghost bears. <laughs> yeah, they're, they are ghost bears and Scooby-Doo is going to have to find them out. Well, he's going to have to find at least one ghost bear. That ghost and then the, bear. Other, the other ones are just holographic projections done with an old school slide projector. And and mirrors and mirrors and the smoke from this sack of flour <laughs> uh yeah the the weird thing about this is they're like oh man these uh these guys are gonna come kill us all and from what we see later in the movie whenever these guys attack there's like a ton of them and the first thing that these uh the new vikings the 13 notices this town has no defenses there's no moat there's no wall there's no like fences there's nothing there's like, also no men left all the all the men are dead there's nothing here but old people and women and children yeah and well i mean there are still some strong people well, apparently oh well, yeah because we like, see them but they're basically just like the the prince's personal guard is still there like his escorts yeah like he has these two dudes that are basically his buddies who i assume are like the donald trumps of this universe where they got out of everything due to military deferments <laughs> i'm six feet tall and a huge bully but i have shin splints sorry <laughs> i assume that's what the two of them are because we they, he basically we have an old 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 king who at the very beginning we think is mad but then he theodens out real hard and he's fine yeah and then his son who's desperate to be king someday like i i, I assume he just can't wait to be king yeah he can't he's gonna be a mighty king <laughs> No, no, he's not. He's going to get his shit pushed in. <laughs> like no king has before. Exactly. <laughs> well, then maybe he should be prepared. Yeah, he should, but he isn't. <laughs> so anyway, so he's. it's very stock, like, essential casting, the, the place they come into. An old noble king and his ambitious asshole son, and his ambitious asshole son, of course, has picked up a crab and a goyle to hang around with. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's great because, like... Antonio Banderas doesn't give a shit about any of this. Yeah. Like, there, it, it feels like there's a Norse drama going on in the background while he's like, don't care. I well, just don't care. Most of the Vikings don't uh, really seem to care. They, like, they care in that the, the prince is going to cause them problems. Yeah, he's like, oh, God, this guy is going to fuck our shit up just because he thinks it'll help him. Yeah, he thinks that by being mean to us, it'll make him look better in the eyes of the people, and then they'll elect him king or whatever. So we got to put a stop to that. But they're all very matter of fact about it. None of them are like, we need to get involved in this king's drama. They're just like, we just need to do one quick thing and then we'll go off and we'll start killing off the ghost like, bears let's let's find his biggest baddest huge guy that's definitely the best fighter here uh i need you to insult him go into a duel and then just like let it seem like he's gonna beat you up and then just kill him very easily yeah and so this is kind of the big moment for friendo or the the blonde guy that we discussed earlier in the movie oh yeah because he, he just kind of uses a shovel to throw mud at this giant you know uh, military deferment asshole and eventually they get in a fight and then they turn it into a duel and their duel is kind of neat it's like hey anytime you your shield gets splintered you can go back you can stop the fight and go get another shield yeah you got three shields it's like you got three lives yeah but then once you're out of shields you got to fight with no shield yeah to the death to the day to the very death uh but you know he just lets the dude beat him up and kill his and break all his shields and then at the last minute he kind of spins around the guy and cuts him in half from the back yeah he's like and you know they're all like dude you could have just killed him at any time he's like yeah but i had to make a show of it yeah i don't know why exactly it seems like it would have been just as impressive if his whole thing would have had been like you shouldn't have picked a fight with me stab you in the neck done we're here we're good here everything's fine because that displayed his strength they're like look he actually is a good fighter i let him show off how much of a badass he is 
Ah. And then I beat the shit out of him. That's fair enough. I, I guess. I, f- I figured everyone in town already knew how scary and huge of a fighter he was. Well, he was no, the- because he didn't go fight. That's why he's still around. Well, yeah, but he's one of the three big men left in town. It's like he's already pretty much de facto the biggest, strongest guy in town, just visibly. Yeah, but he could just be a big guy that doesn't know how to fight. Well, plus he's got those shin splints. Oh, yeah. I don't remember what shin they're in. No one ever does. No one does. Yeah, but, you know, that obviously that's going to preclude him from going to war. Yeah. Of so, course. Anyway, uh, so that 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 pretty much ends that whole thing. Like this whole oh scary conflict. The the prince is going to be all evil. Oh, his best friend got killed. Never mind. He'll be in the background for the rest of the movie. The end. Yeah. The uh, the whole thing with this is apparently these guys show up whenever the mist happens. Yes. They, so they like the first time they show up, everyone goes and hides, and then the thirteen just sort of sleep out in the open. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they fight them. We lose two of the guys in the fight yeah we lose two of our 13 right away and uh they get attacked by here's the thing about this movie the bad guys are basically just like cavemen like they're not there's we're supposed to be like oh maybe they're mystical because they take their dead with them and they take the oh yeah because they're like oh, i killed a guy but there's no bodies yeah but they're just like non-vocal cavemen yeah it's it's strange they don't ever talk they yeah. don't well the, the, the weird thing is it really seems like they should be less threatening than they are in this movie because they have crappy weapons and they they shouldn't have any tactics because they don't talk and they live in a cave and they have no architecture and they're just they're like hunter gatherers still is the yeah. whole thing it's like the last rise of the neanderthals or something oh yeah it would basically be like yo if cavemen went and fought some like actual trained warriors i don't feel like the cavemen would be like yeah we're badass at this except that every caveman in the entire movie has a rad horse oh yeah i don't know where they're keeping that because they live in this cave and there are no horses in that cave they live in the fucking cave from goonies let's let's be very clear it's like a giant central casting pirate cave they live in with like floors and rope bridges and things you can and waterfalls with secret passages behind them and glittering treasure traps that shoot arrows it is the goonies cave they live in horses won't go in there no and even when they're in there, there you don't see any horses, so obviously they're kept somewhere else. But there are like at least a hundred some odd of these guys, at the very least, oh, and they all have a horse. Because there's shots of them from way off in the distance where they do their dragon thing. Well, it's just guys on horses with torches. Yeah, but, but the line is miles long. No, it isn't. It's all the no, way down a mountain. Isn't. You can see it in the distance. There's a huge mountain of fire that's, the, that's uh, these guys. There, there are countless thousands of these guys, and it makes no sense because they live in a cave full of horses and there's only one lady uh well yeah there's only one lady for all of them you never see any other ladies yeah i don't i that's gonna be basically the weirdest thing in this movie is like maybe these guys are weird and mystical because their society makes zero sense they're like smurfs they're like evil horse smurfs (laughs) yes the evil horse smurfs yeah except they're brown instead of blue and they're well i don't know who knows what color they are they're completely covered in ornate paint as well yeah they're mostly covered in like black and red paint basically but but it's very ornate it's like a whole society of cave darth malls (laughs) which is their their society doesn't make any sense they live like cave people they don't have a, a functional language they have invented the horn they're all master horse riders they're very good at cave architecture but no other kind of architecture there it seems like they developed about half the things they were supposed to like too far oh yeah it's like man you've got the ability to do a lot of things but you never developed like agriculture or language yeah it's it's a weird society that they have to deal with also they eat their dead hence the name of the book yeah but not the name of the movie because 
because otherwise people would think that Antonio Banderas was an eater of the dead. Yeah. So we had to name it after him instead because he's the star, so 13th warrior. Exactly. Uh, so we get the the raid on the town, that one. They yeah. build up the defenses. They go try and find some more. It the- turns out that all of these dudes are like badass super fighters. They kill two of the Vikings. A few of them die, but they take their dead with them when they leave. Yeah. And everyone's like, what the hell was that? They must be super ghosts. Yeah, they. I, I know I killed at least two. Yeah, me too, but there's no bodies. It's and- like Antonio Banderas is going to get in about six fights with these things, and then in the climactic battle at the very end of the movie, he'll go, they're just men. And yeah. it's like, how did you not realize that when you saw them sitting around eating like and, like two days ago? <laughs> like they were just sitting there eating horse in a, in, in a cave, and you were like, oh, look at the look at the ghost monsters eating horse in a cave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the weird thing with this as well is... Uh, Antonio Banderas can't fight very well, but that's because they gave him, like, a huge two-handed sword. Also, he makes a bold claim that he is not a warrior. He is a writer and a poet. Yes. There's a point where they're like, hey, man, you're going to help us fight because you're one of the warriors. And he's like, I am no warrior. Like, you know. I am no warrior. I ain't no warrior, boy. I want to be share of the booty. Here. I I be a buccaneer. It, it, whatever it is, they, they, uh, they're they like, you have to fight. And he's like, I can't fight. I am not a good fighter. And they're like, here, have a sword. And he's like, this sword's too heavy. Oh, yeah. If if you if I were to go to the metal worker in town and carve this into a, a, a uh, scimitar, then I'd be the greatest fighter out of all of us. Well, the, the big thing from this as well is the other line that uh, gets bandied about, at least by my friends, is they throw him the sword and he's like, dude, I, I cannot wield this. It's too heavy. And one of them just goes, grow stronger, and walks away. And yeah. I was like, ah, fuck you, buddy. That's a pretty good line. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's you know, it's pretty matter of fact. It's a straightforward kind of line. I like the, the 12 other warriors in this movie. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. There's only one of them's kind of a jealous douche, and he dies real early. And the rest of them are just like, no, we're all matter of fact badasses. Just- and, you know, they, they sort of have some things. Like, you've got a guy who's the tracker slash archer. Yeah, you've got the archer one. You've got the, the, the uh, bully vife is a really inspiring leader one. You've got, like, one who knows things yeah you've got a like scholarly one you've got a friendo you've got the large guy who's got the biggest weapon yeah you've got the one who's a scotsman for some reason yeah there's a scotsman one the rest of them are all dressed like vikings and then one of them is dressed straight up in like a sporin with a tartan on it (laughs) i mean it's not it's not that bad but he is very scottish accent it's like they ran out of viking stuff and they were just like well here have this braveheart outfit uh, the uh, well, I mean, again, Vikings raided Britain a lot. They could have just grabbed some Scotsman and been like, "You, you're all right. I like the cut of your kilt. And I'm going like, to take it. I'm going to cut you and take your kilt. Oh, my kilt." <laughs> so they have one of them who's just straight up into Scottish stuff, and he is Scottish. He like is, he is, he's, he's very obviously Scottish. He has a big red beard and and a Scottish accent. Yes. <laughs> He speaks he speaks his hergy dergy fergy language with a Scottish accent. Yeah. However that ends up being, I can't even imagine it. But Hark digging to Bort Bort. I, I can't do it. It's no. not it's not coming together. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's no way. So yeah. So you got the whole team and they're kind of dying off every time these guys attack. Because yeah, then I they think do the six left at the end. Yeah, because they do the fire snake thing where their whole thing is they're worried about this fire serpent, but it turns out to just be these guys riding in a line down the mountain with torches so it looks like a snake i guess the this faction of people even though they are horse people who have invented fire like the the good guys in this movie have never seen their friends riding around on horseback with fire in the distance so they're immediately like oh my god i've never heard of heard ever thought of that before it must be a giant very slow dragon <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what? I'm not gonna. That's not fair. These people. It's like eight. It's like 800 AD in this movie. What do I know? Maybe it totally looks like a dragon. You don't know. I don't know shit. Well, plus it's been forever since they've seen them, so they they only talk about oh maybe they'll have a fire serpent or whatever. Yeah. So even before this, like generations ago. Well, it sure is convenient that they showed up with the same fire serpent. Then I mean, how are they even knowing to do that? They don't have language to pass down. Oh, that's just something they know instinctually is to ride in a line with torches. Yeah, the eaters of the dead make no goddamn sense. If we ever saw them talk, this movie would make a lot more sense. Oh man, if they just like take took off their bear hats and went like, "Woo, okay, guys, well, so I mean, good job today." Because notably, there are scenes where they get snuck up on towards the end of the movie, and they're just they're, they're just sitting in a cave, staring dully ahead. They do not talk to each other. You could have fifty of them in a room just sitting there, and they're all just sitting there looking around. Yeah, it's like okay, I kind of maybe the culture is just kind of socially quiet, but but the idea you get when watching the movie is these guys don't have language. No. I mean, even when they attack them and it, you'd want to, like, warn someone about what's going on, they just sort of yell. Yeah. That's, that's like all they ever do is kind of yeah. the guttural battle yells is the closest they have to language. Yeah. It is just weird. It's a, and, and it's got to be a decision on the filmmaker's part. Like, if we gave these guys language, it'd be yet more work we have to do with, have, with coming up with what caveman language sounded like or whatever. Let's just well, have them be quiet. That and it, it would somewhat humanize them. Like, the whole point of these guys is they're supposed to be up until the point where like they go into the cave and see them they're supposed to be like these and then for several implacable, days after. Des- like horrible guys that just show up and destroy everything yeah and then they disappear when you kill them yeah i guess because they do the same thing everyone does in batman movies and look away for convenient amounts of time <laughs> yeah. how's he doing that oh right it's because i looked wistfully away it's because i decided w- during the middle of this conversation i was going to turn around and talk to the air the old commissioner gordon move yep I don't know, Batman. It just seems like this city is a lie. Oh, where'd he go? Oh, goddammit. I gotta quit being wistful. I, I need to quit just monologuing for no reason in I the mean, middle of conversations. Do you think Batman would ever leave Commissioner Gordon's, Gordon's office if he just kept his eyes on him? Oh, man, that would be great. If he's <laughs> like, yo, I'm not turning away this time. I got my eyes on you. All right, look, look, look uh, Seth, uh, what's your name? Seth Green. If you're listening, not Seth Green. Yeah, Seth Green. If you're listening to this, uh, this is a robot chicken sketch you need to put together. Batman in Commissioner Gordon's office, and Commissioner Gordon refuses to look away from Batman. Batman keeps trying to get him to like look at other things like, oh, what's that? What's that over there? No, I don't know, Batman. Uh, you might have to describe it to me because I'm not going to stop staring right at you. <laughs> He's just like slowly inching towards the window. It's like, uh, I think someone wants to see you over there by the, your door. I'm going to throw this flash pellet on the ground. Yeah, but I have the overhead vents turned on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're just going to have to turn and walk out the fucking door, Batman, and I'm going to watch you go. Because <laughs> you know what? I hate seeing you go, but I love watching you leave. <laughs> Lol. Got that bat butt. That butt. So anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we have multiple attacks from these eaters of the dead that show up. Yeah, and they're just implacable murder monsters every time. And Every time they, they kill a couple of the 13 and wreck, like, they'll burn down some houses or do some stuff. They also, the, one of them's got a horn, and the horn sounds the attack, and then if the horn is sounded again, it's the retreat. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what they're doing, they'll just turn and walk, even if they're about to kill a guy. It, oh, it's... It's really weird to me, the retreat noise as well. Yeah. Because during the uh, like the fire serpent fight where they all show up with torches and whatnot, they are straight up winning. destroying this town. Yeah, they are completely winning. And then, and then the retreat horn sounds, and it's like the game's over. It's not like the war stopped. 
no, it's it's very strange because I'm thinking about it going like, okay, if they want this village to survive because they're just using it as a raiding target, mm-hmm. then you'd think they would just show up and demand stuff or just take things and go. Yeah. But they show up and like murder people well, and burn the readers stuff of the down. Dead. They, they need, what, what they want from the town is corpses. <laughs> yeah, that's what they want from the town. They do. They have a whole corpse room in their cave. Well, they're yeah. literally there to gather corpses. Yeah, but so do the French. So, you know, fuck them. <laughs> That is true. That is true about France. France has a whole corpse thing. Yeah, they have a whole thing with corpses. They have the catacombs. But, I mean, that's what they're going to this town for, is to get bones. And But the thing is, they don't try to win. At a certain point, some guy's just like, well, it's been exactly 15 minutes. Union rules, guys. Okay, well, that's the half. Let's go. All right, good war. Good war. Everyone shake hands. Good war. We'll see you next time. Hey, Come on. Wh- whose caveman's mom's turn was it to bring, like, uh, the Cokes and, and uh, Orange Slice? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, event- well, there's only one caveman, Mom, so it's her again. <laughs> it's her, and she forgot again. <laughs> uh, what is this refreshy bullshit? You, you, <laughs> last month, my mom bought co- brought Cokes. It's the same mom. <laughs> yeah. It's just, for some reason, this week, she was like, I brought Dr. Thunder. Hmm. <laughs> I would far prefer Dr. Thunder to some Cokes. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Because it's a great name. Oh, Dr. Thunder. If someone brought some Dr. Dynamite soda, you'd be like, fuck yeah, that's a weird, dumb name. Oh, totally yeah, I would, this. because it's Dr. Pepper, and I love Dr. Pepper. You love anything that tastes even slightly like Dr. Horace's font of ardor. I, I know. I, I love anything that tastes remote, remotely like a doctor. Any soda with doctor in the name is your jam. Yeah, once it turns into, like, Mr. Shasta, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Oh, boy, Professor Pepper. Nope, nope, you get your doctorate, or you do not come to see me. I have a doctorate i just choose not to go by my doctor title <laughs> i find i find that teaching is the most rewarding aspect i'm mr of my fantastic day. I'm, <laughs> I'm professor pepper and i did it in the hallway with the lead pipe uh, uh anyway they eventually decide to raid the eater of eaters of the dead's house yeah they well they go see this city's old woman witch and she's like yo they've got one mother because they've got like some fertility statue but it's a representation of their mother and they have that fertility statue from like the gasco caves yeah and big pendulous titties and the big old hips yeah that thing but the uh the old lady's like yo they've got one mother and one warrior who's like their big shit warrior and if you manage to kill both of them then i guess that the rules are they have to stop now well we've already established that these guys have weird war rules yeah so sure why not even if they are they vastly outnumber you and they have a million times more horses than you do and every time they show up you're all like oh no ghost bears then you they still can be beaten by some weird contravance yeah contravance contrivance contrivance no i'm gonna say contravance <laughs> yeah Good. you say contrivance i say contravance contravance you say tomato tomato i say tomato tomato <laughs> uh so yeah they go try and track him down because they're like okay if we just kill this mother and this warrior guy then it'll be done so we'll try and do that in just one fell swoop just stop everything from happening rather than trying to hold off these waves of attacks that keep coming yeah and uh antonio banderas has this whole thing where he's like wait they think they think that they're bears how do you hunt a bear and they're like uh i don't know go to its cave and they're like great where's a cave where is their cave is there a large goonies style cave i do you guys have a cave where i could stash me booty <laughs> that's right he's playing one-eyed willie in this movie yeah little known fact this is the prequel to goonies 
Oh, yeah. After this, Antonio Banderas gets a big pirate ship and goes around and then he loses an eye. With, yeah, loses an eye, gets bone growth over where that lost eye was, and then he uh, <laughs> he sails back there, remembering where that giant cave is, and then his ship gets stuck in there. Yeah, and then eventually kids find it. Thousands of years later, the Fratellis open up a small restaurant as a front for their cash laundering operations. <laughs> also, the whole thing happened off the coast of o- Oregon? Is that where the Goonies movie takes I think place? so. It's either Oregon or Washington. It doesn't matter Yeah, it's, it's somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. It's some highly affluent per- Pacific Northwest city where still everyone's out of money and they're going to build a mall or something. Because that's always the villain of the 80s is some guy who wants to build a mall. Oh, it's some guy who's like, yo, you've got houses here, but I want to tear them down and build a parking lot for something no reason it's that's such a weird premise in that movie in particular because most of where they go is open space like everywhere it's like just big open fields and shit it's like just build there asshole oh yeah they're like you know if you didn't kick everyone out of their houses and make them move you'd have people to go to your dumb you'd have customers what is happening in this movie uh also it's interesting at a certain point they're just like yes of course we accept like opals and shit as payment at the end of this movie (laughs) and here's a sack of treasure for you as a payment on our rent yeah what's the exchange rate on that by the way (laughs) i don't know but i love movies where that's the ending where like they're like you have to pay this rent by midnight or well here are doubloons (laughs) well lucky for me i found a tiger's eye (laughs) great uh anyway so they go find this cave and it is like a rope bridge past a waterfall into a cave yeah and then like chunk is in there and also sloth they've got to play a bone piano in order to get in there at one point they have to fight a giant octopus but then that gets cut from the movie because it looks stupid Uh, so yeah, they, they just sort of sneak around this cave, which is weird that they're able to do so. Because the cave is built in such a way that they're like, oh yeah, we can like go under things. Like there's bridges in this cave that we'll just go under that people won't notice. Well, it's basically the Tom Sawyer's Island Cave at Disneyland. Yeah. Is what, what we're dealing with here. It's almost like they've just filmed it there. <laughs> and, uh, you've got, as we mentioned, all these just cavemen guys hanging out, eating and saying nothing. Yeah, they just sort of stare dimly ahead and eat food. And, uh. Uh, they eventually get to very a... similar to John. Once you get right down to it, oh yeah, yeah. very similar to me. Yeah, John... I have no language of my own. No, it, when he's not on the podcast, he's just staring into the middle distance and quietly moving food from in front of him to in him, and then wearing a bear hat, riding a horse. You'd love a bear hat. Wouldn't I you? would fucking love a bear. They don't just have a bear hat; they have like bear hat that goes into like bear claws that they wear, and yeah. it's the best. Yeah, I mean, come on, who it's does... like a bear onesie. Who doesn't want a nice bear onesie, and then just to sit there and eat some horse in your room and not really do anything or have to talk to anyone right like if i could get me some tesco burgers so that i could get some horse in there you know (laughs) the life (laughs) yeah you know french people eat horse all the time so i think what we're effectively establishing is that the bad guy in this movie is just secretly the french oh yeah they totally are yeah just the french they're just they have a weird thing about keeping some death in their basement Yeah, they got caves full of skulls and shit they're always eating cheval they're they're definitely just the french they don't have a language anyone likes they're super dirty yeah. I mean, they don't say it specifically in the movie, but there's... Oh, wait, no, they do. They do mention that the caves stink. Yeah. Yeah. There you okay, go. There you go. We have every French stereotype. Uh, there we go. And they're all smoking. <laughs> they're constantly smoking. Also, for some reason, they're all wearing bearskins and horizontal white and black striped shirts. For some reason, their cave paintings are all of Jerry Lewis. <laughs> and they don't speak a language because they're constantly miming. <laughs> That's it. It mimes. It's mimes all the way down. It's just just cave mimes. Uh, Quick, let's wall up the cave. And wall right here. There we go. Now they can't get past that unless any of them finds a rope. Oh, no. A strong wind. (laughs) 
hang on, I'll make them think I'm too busy on the phone to have this fight. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> yeah, the, uh... Ah, making fun of mimes over a podcast is harder than I thought it would be. Well, the, uh, the group then eventually goes down a waterfall to the very lowest part of this cave, and they find the room where Mom is. Yeah, they keep one sexy lady. They keep one lady, and she, she has poison? That she just hangs, like, well, out with a bowl of it? She's hanging out with some snakes. She's hanging out with some poison snakes, and she has a, she has a bowl of poison snake blood. And she just dips, like, a bear claw into it and is going to fight with a poison bear claw. And she gets in a fight with Bullvife, the main dude, and for some reason, even though he has been, like, a ridiculously super competent warrior all the way through this movie, and a lot of this movie has been about just overbearing strength, he's still like, I'll get him one of those cut-and-thrust fencing fights with this lady with her bear claw instead of just, I'll just march up and cut her fucking head off. Oh, yeah, well... Especially when you're like, yo, dude, you're huge and have a giant long sword. She should never get near you. And, but instead, he's, he all of a sudden turns into Daffy Duck for the purposes of this fight. Yeah. He's like, ha-ha, dodge, parry, turn, thrust, cut. And she's like, uh-huh, and scratch, and you're going to die eventually. Yeah, all I need to do is just kind of stab you a little bit with this, and then it doesn't matter that there. you cut my head off. And there we go. And then he cuts their head off and takes her head with him. But I, unfortunately, that that thread doesn't really go anywhere. I was kind of hoping he'd use it to like scare some caveman or something. Yeah. Instead, he just loses it in water a few minutes from now. Yeah, because the only way they can get out is because the rest of the cave is now alerted to them and coming towards them. They go deeper into the cave and find, like, a passage underwater. They have to go down a fun water slide. This is the Goonies. <laughs> well, they have to swim through a water cave and then come up into a lake or whatever the fuck. I think it's the ocean. I think it's the, the caves connect via a Oh, yeah, they, they go to the, the Thunder Falls. Or... Yeah, they go through Thunder Falls and come up at Booty Bay. Yeah, and then they, they have to go to Tomorrowland and... <laughs> also the architecture for this this cave and the uh land outside the cave is 100 percent the inspiration for the forsworn from skyrim i'm just saying just so you know like 100 percent uh and then they have to get in one final fight because they didn't kill the uh the main fighter guy they just killed the mom no and also uh bull of Life is about to die from poison so he's like well i might as well get in a big fight because i'm gonna die either way well so. Fuck it. And, uh, before he dies, he basically says, like, hey, I'm going to die a pauper because I came over here instead of being the king of my own country. Uh, I wouldn't die a pauper, though, if someone were to write a story about my life using uh, their ability to write words. If, if someone were to have their story written by Michael Crichton, they could be considered rich. Well, here's where we get the big secret of what all this is. It's it's supposed to be the real story of what Beowulf is. Yeah, because Ballywiff or whatever is just Beowulf. Beowulf. Yeah, but yeah, Bully Wife is Beowulf, uh, and I guess Grendel is that mean prince, and that that lady is Grendel's mom is the lady that he killed. The lady, and then the dragon is the fire serpent. Yeah, even though, I mean the, those two come out of order, but whatever. Oh yeah, well he kills the like the best fighter last, and that's also basically Grendel, another Grendel. So I guess it's the whole story backwards. Yeah. So yeah, that's the whole the whole gimmick of the movie is that this is supposed to be the real story of of Beowulf. When Beowulf <laughs> stops being fake and starts getting real yeah so in case you were curious what the general gimmick of the film is that's it yeah it's not said in the film anywhere no but i was kind of hoping that the end of the film would cut to an old man like reading beowulf to a grandson and that's how beowulf is ah oh, grandpa did we have to hear the mushy stuff <laughs> yeah so then beowulf grabbed eben and he was like mm, kiss me deep <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm Fred Savage, your grandson. Hey, I'm Fred Savage, your grandson. Well, come on, do it right, though. I can't do Chicago. Fred Savage is the most Chicago actor that there's ever been. I don't know. I, anytime I try to think of Chicago, I keep going to New York. Oh, okay, fair enough. But that's the thing with Fred Savage. is like even your, when his grandson, grandfather is Peter fucking Falk, he's still the most Chicago person in the room. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they, they get in one last fight. They do a big moment where they recite the, uh, like poem for the dead that they originally did for the, uh, like the burning funeral thing from the beginning of the movie where it's like, uh, he's going to Valhalla and there will be a place for him. And he is called upon by his family and all that he knew to come with them. And it's this whole big thing that happens and everyone is reciting it, including Antonio Banderas. But I'm like, yo, you didn't speak their language when that happened the first time. You don't. <laughs> know what the fuck that thing is how do you know that oh come on man that was over a six-month period they learned to speak their language we just didn't see them do the prayer again oh yeah i'm sure they've done the prayer so many times they probably do they probably do it every goddamn day yeah every day they wake up and they're like well let's do the prayer for when we have a funeral every day <laughs> maybe they taught it to him right before that battle so we'd be ready to do they're it. like yo we've got this plan we're gonna do a really badass thing where we recite our funeral poem yeah uh, here's what it is yeah. Anyway, during this final battle, it's finally the point where Antonio Banderas realizes that these cave dudes are just dudes, and he starts running around gleefully cutting them down and yelling, they are but men! <laughs> so, that's kind of a fun moment. And then, Bullivife dies, one or two more of them die, and we're down to like six warriors. Yeah, it's basically Frendo and Antonio Banderas and a couple random guys. Yeah, and then they, at the end of the battle, uh, they go back to the Northmen's original village and Antonio Banderas uh, gets on a boat and he leaves and then credits. Yeah. And oh, and he they do the thing where Frendo has to yell out to him, goodbye, Arab. And then uh, Antonio Banderas looks back and whispers, goodbye, Northman. And, the, you know, I have to imagine the other guy's like, what? What? <laughs> what did you say? Quit being dramatic. <laughs> Don't whisper. I can't hear you. You're on a boat like way far out. <laughs> I can see your mouth moving. I know you're saying something. Is that an insult? Don't make me come over there. I will. I will invade your country so bad. <laughs> That's what we do. You'll wish I didn't invade your country so bad. Uh, so there you go. That was that was the 13th warrior, uh, kind of. Kind we basically of. just skimmed over the top of it. Well, yeah, but what else would you want to talk about? I mean, we can get to it in the final notes. So let's uh, let's do our best and worst to start. Jeff, best thing in 13th warrior? Uh, I'm going to go with the language translation montage. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, that's the part I remembered the most is them kind of moving their way across a huge amount of landscape and speaking to each other in Swedish chef language and and then eventually there's a point where Antonio Banderas goes I listen and it's awesome okay yeah so that was my favorite part of this movie it was the only part I remembered going into it huh. well that and the part where they're all making fun of him for for fighting terribly with a Norse sword and then it turns out that if he has a different sword he's like a, a sword wizard oh yeah if, you, if they take that giant two-handed sword and turn it into a regular scimitar he's like oh Okay, I can swing this. Yeah, but he can't just swing it. He's like a Cirque du Soleil circus acrobat all of a sudden with a fucking thing. Well, he can it's, do that spin sword thing where he he's like, do, woo, 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 he does, woo, And he does the thing where he's like, I'm not cutting you. I'm not cutting you. It's it's like he's way accurate with the damn thing. For a dude who earlier in the movie had been like, uh, like I am but a poet. Like, no, it's apparently you're also some sort of like sword ninja. <laughs> but okay, whatever. That's my favorite part. What's your favorite part? Uh, I gotta say my favorite thing in this is that it's pretty much the only movie I can think of at all where it's the story of how much better an Arab guy is than white people. Like, specifically even Norsemen. Like, that is not something you see. 
It's true. I, there was a point where we were watching this where we briefly discussed if that's why you never see this movie anywhere. Oh, yeah, because I'm like, this is just an Arab guy showing up and being like, oh, my God, you guys are all savages. I know all of this awesome shit. Let me teach you how to not be a dildo. And then it's Arab guy saves the day. I mean, even even in this movie, though, still, like, Bullivife is an extremely noble, smart individual. The Norsemen are all highly competent. Oh, yeah, well, they're definitely noble savages. Yeah, but uh, they're, they're all, every one of them is a William Wallace. But uh, but still, it's a movie about how an Arab from a Muslim country shows up and is like, what's up, bitches? I'm real good at everything. Yeah. He's the hero. He's he's here to make sure everyone learns what's right and wrong. Yeah. And like, he'll learn a lesson along the way, but it really is your standard, like, a white guy goes to noble savages. Like, this is definitely the reverse of that. And I'm like, that's neat. I so, like to see that. So what we're saying is this is a mirror universe uh, last samurai? Yeah. Okay. This is this is Antonio Banderas' is The Last Viking or some shit. <laughs> this is, this is Fern Gully seen through a mirror. <laughs> Through a mirror darkly. <laughs> Through a greasy mirror darkly. Uh, so yeah, I like that. It's neat to see that in cinema since you don't normally. Yeah, that is true. All right, so worst thing in the movie for you? Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I harped on it a bunch, but I'd say the Eaters of the Dead don't make any goddamn sense. You're goddamn right they don't. They don't make, th their whole culture makes no sense. Where are they keeping their thousands of horses? How are they supplying their people with food? Where are they finding so many bears to kill that CGI shots of them are literally like, here's 400 warriors and every one of them has a bear. Oh, yeah. I'm like, this This island can't be that chock full of bears and horses. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole bear and horse-driven economy. Like, is this just a tiny village and a giant island of bears and horses? And the bears and horses get along, they don't do anything to each other. And you don't see them unless they're in the cavemen's... You never see a live bear, and you never... You never see a horse out in the wild, either. Yeah, so what is... Where are they keeping all these horses? How are they getting all these bears? Why don't they have a language, even though they have a very complex society yeah what is going on with them and that's going to be my least favorite thing is that I, I don't know how much of that is is transferred over from the actual eaters of the dead novel well yeah i mean i have to assume that the whole point of it was like i was saying that they're supposed to be weird and other and non like human and you're you aren't supposed to identify with them at all they're I, supposed to be this odd threat yeah except that they, the the other thing is that it's supposed to be that they are human and a lot of this is supposed to be the story of how you know in prehistory times things you didn't quite understand might as well have been alien yeah but the idea is that you as an observer is supposed to go that's not alien that's just like a society of cave people i know this it's interesting that i know this and they don't that's the juxtaposition well but, no but because it's, it's an unreliable narrator who's giving you this information Yeah, but the end result is that you watch it and you think this doesn't make any fucking sense well where, it doesn't at where, all where where's the horse parking where are they, <laughs> where, where uh, horse parking is in the rear obviously the white zone <laughs> is for horse parking <laughs> That's so. That's my least favorite thing. Is that where are they keeping all these goddamn horses, and where are they getting so many bears and skulls? Yeah, and water. Why is there? It's like where do they? How do they get this naturally occurring Goonies cave? <laughs> What's your least favorite thing? Uh God. I'm, I mean, I basically want to say the same thing. It's a society with one woman and a, like hundreds of dudes, and they they just have no no sense. No sense at all. No. I would have figured your least favorite thing would be that there's that extra little Norse drama in there for no reason. Eh, I don't care. Which is like, hey. Like the prince, 
I'll w- I will say that the prince has no payoff. Like, yeah. there's no point where you're like, oh, and now he tries a coup, or now like he helps us out because he learned that we were badass, and he proves he's not such a bad guy after all. There's it, nothing. It does seem like this movie does a lot of the setups that the book does, and then just doesn't bother with the payoffs. Yeah, there's a there's, whole setup for this prince, and nothing happens. Yeah, and then there's the whole part where they get the head of the the evil woman who runs the bear, the ghost bear people, and then they just lose it. Yeah, it's like they, they seem to have missed a couple of things where they were like, hey, this is definitely a super important thing in the book and then we'll just show it happening so that complete us of the michael crichton verse oh yeah that michael crichton uh cinematic universe uh, my voice that that's the one cinematic universe that i wish existed if someone could come up with a way to connect all the michael crichton movies into a single universe well obviously the monkey that was in outbreak was from the congo in congo and then uh there's an andromeda strain that comes down and and the smartest person in this movie is this dude amal ibn uh filan or something like that and everyone just calls him ibn because he keeps saying ibn because it means of the well ibn over the centuries eventually becomes ingen (laughs) and it's it's always understood as to be the smartest people in the room uh so so this that connects this universe this to uh jurassic park yeah there you go uh and then of course uh sphere also happened and also spheres there yeah, Sphere happened. So, so yeah, the Michael Crichton verse. Yeah, yeah, that Michael Crichton verse. Also, uh, Jurassic Park 2 The Lost World is the worst movie ever made. Good. All right, let's give our rating for 13th Warrior. Zero to five for both of us. Gives it the rating out of ten. Jeff. It's a three and a half. I'm going to give it like the, the, B, the B of movies. Like, I, I have been looking forward to watching this for a couple of years because I haven't been able to find it. Uh, it's... It's a it's a perfectly fine lazy Sunday movie. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a three and a half, which is what, where I would normally want to put a movie like that. Like I'm not going to recommend it to everyone I meet, but if it were on TV, I'd sit down and watch it, and I I need a taco to this movie. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. So three and a half, John. Uh, I'll give it a three and a half as well. You're spot on. It is one of those movies that you're like, this is enjoyable enough. If this shows up, I can sit down and watch it at any point in time during the movie. I don't feel like I'm missing anything. I mean, you're going to miss the I listen line, which is pretty much the core of the film, but you can YouTube that. Yeah. And so it's, it is a movie that you're like, this is just eminently watchable, mm-hmm. but it's not anything that I'm like, I would go out of my way to be like, guys, if we're watching a movie tonight, if you haven't seen 13th Warrior, we have to watch 13th Warrior. The other thing I, I really enjoy about this movie is that Antonio Banderas and then Omar Sharif for about five minutes are the only faces you're really going to recognize in this. So that's kind of nice. You can get very lost in this movie because it's just a bunch of giant Norwegian dudes. Yeah, it's just a bunch of dudes running around and you're like, the only thing I can latch onto here is Antonio Banderas everything else is weird yeah no it's 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 great for that i mean I, i'm sure there's some norse listeners right now who are like oh my god sigrid magrunjensen is the most important actor of a generation yeah obviously like, okay, okay sure also sigrid's a girl's name so put that in your pipe and smoke it you norwegian listeners <laughs> uh yep so there you go seven out of ten so a good rating for 13th warrior mm-hmm. uh probably one of the better ones that we've watched for this show yeah i was definitely happy i watched it we watched it uh, with an hd projector on a bed sheet it was actually kind of fun to watch this as a great big movie yeah. with like like and because the projector had to go onto the bed sheet it actually had that kind of film grain crackle from the sheets like like threading or whatever it was actually kind of nice it was like watching it in theaters again it was good yeah. it was real good a good experience I was, I was into it i i'm really kind of i i think we should just keep doing that john i think we should watch more of our movies on a big screen projected probably yeah all right so there you go thank you so much for listening of course in a couple weeks we will be back with another movie mastery uh we've got our poll up for what you want to see us watch in theaters now it is my poll up i'll tell you that (sighs) why why not (laughs) 
<laughs> boner jokes, John. Hey, boner jokes. Who's, who turns their nose up at boner jokes? Are you turning up your nose at my boner jokes? No way. Then it might get up my nose. Hey. <laughs> boner jokes. Boner jokes. Anyway, so we've got that up on the website right now. You can go to systemmasterypodcast.com. Under the movie podcast, go to In Theaters Now, and you can find our uh, all of our polls for all of our bar- various things in there mm-hmm. right now we've got september up and you can decide what we are going to go see in theatros yeah don't mess with it though because john really wants to see one of those movies anyway and we're fine yeah, we're just, fine everyone's just fine. don't vote just don't worry ev- about ev- it everyone's fine don't mess with john's dream <laughs> and my and my bare kind of acceptance that i'm gonna have to see it even though i don't oh, want bear acceptance <laughs> <laughs> that's why i've got my poll up john <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm all about these ghost bears. Because the bear I was going to have sex with said yes. Uh, <laughs> I can hardly bear it. <laughs> uh, so there you go. And, uh, of course, we've got all of our other shows there on SystemMasteryPodcast.com. You can find, if you're into the RPGs, we've got System Mastery. If you are into Star Wars at all, we've got Expounded Universe, where we've gone through Expanded Universe Star Wars novels very slowly and in excruciating detail, and boy, are these garbage. <laughs> well, so far, the one that we're doing is garbage. Yeah. But don't worry, because we'll line up more garbage in the future. Yep, and uh, if you like what you listen to, you want to support us, you want to help us out, help the show, help us expand, do more stuff, you can, of course, support us at patreon.com slash systemmastery. You can give us any amount, even a dollar will get you access to our bonus content. Content. And uh, we also, if you want, can help spread the word by doing ratings, reviews, go on iTunes. Oh yeah, I always forget to tell, to tell people to do that. And it is really important. The more because that the more iTunes and like Stitcher reviews we get, the more it seems like we're an actual podcast. Well, it, it also it, it, their algorithms measure those things and then use them to spread the word to other people that there are podcasts like what they're already listening to. Oh yeah, so, so we will come up as recommendations if we get enough of those. So yeah. if you want other people to join in the fun of our dumb nonsense then please rate and review and uh we'll be back in a couple weeks with another movie mastery so until then have a good one